0: And we are recording. Awesome. How's it going? So, for those of you who are here, which I see a couple of you already, thanks for coming out. Uh, this is going to be a unique episode. Uh, we're going to kind of be... Uh, it's not going to be quite like a traditional interview on Liberty After Dark. So I'm going to skip the intro where I would normally say, Hello and welcome to Liberty After Dark and all of that. And uh, introduce our, our guest slash co hosts sort of. For this episode <laughs> shepherd the voluntarist how are you doing today sir
1: just wonderful thanks for having me on christian
0: yes so i have been watching your stuff for uh i think i've seen you for a few months now and um once i finally saw your interview with patrick i think was when i was really like okay this is cool i really need to talk to him at some point point. and <laughs> we've actually had conversations before.
1: Um, through disenthrall uh yeah you've cost me so many (laughs) sleepless nights waking up and thinking how how can i figure out what he was saying oh yeah you're a bright dude anyway go (laughs) i'll shut Um, up now (laughs) no no you're fine i can keep complimenting you right
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're we're co-hosts remember so you can oh yeah 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 there we go feel free to jump in anytime you want but uh all right yeah so author um Voluntarist, all-around great dude, I would say bridge to the common people, super important piece of the puzzle of spreading voluntarism. Uh, I, I did want to take a little bit before we go into the the back and forth that we have, which we have some great topics selected for you guys, uh, props again to Shepard for coming up with those, but uh, before that, I really think it would serve my audience well if we got, you know, and this is a tall order, but if we got the, the condensed shepherd story just so that everybody knows where you're coming from who may have not seen you before
1: Great, great! I can condense it all into a little less than two hours. So this is going to be go. great. <laughs> I'll just do a quickie. Um, born and reared in the back hills of Tennessee in a Mennonite community in a single parent home, just my mom and I, uh, on welfare, government welfare, and uh, rode a horse to school. No electricity or running water a lot of the time. So a, a really cool, unique childhood that that gave me a lot of perspectives that I wouldn't have otherwise had. Uh, homeschooled some and little private schools. Uh, So that was kind of my, uh, my first part of my life. And then I moved out west and uh, became interested in law enforcement. And uh, I was a busboy at a restaurant, and got to know the cops, and they kind of befriended me and, and I learned that you get good job security, you get to drive really fast, you get to get in fights, you're always going to win the fight, and it's just really all around a cool deal. And so I went to Southern California to get my start in law enforcement, uh, spent a couple years in a jail there as a jailer, and uh, it was a medium security jail. And then I spent uh, just a little under eight years Uh, Between being on the street and on a SWAT team. And uh, I worked as a detective uh, specializing in crimes against children. Uh, So that was kind of a disgusting little aspect of what I had to do. Uh, But yeah, so spent just just under 10 years as the popo, and then uh, got out. I've done private security, executive protection off and on over the years, and uh, tried to take that full-time, completely failed, didn't get enough clients, didn't do a good enough job, Uh, wonderful learning experience and failing that entrepreneurial uh, venture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I started a little, uh, I bought a mobile windshield repair business, did that for a few years, and then uh, started another business and uh, been doing that now for about 10 years. And just kind of a small businessman is how I would best describe myself at this point
0: there we go so uh you and i have something in common um you worked for the police as the strong arm of the law and i worked in the department of defense as the strong arm of the federal government so we are both Ah. redeemed souls in a sense you could say (laughs) um
1: hey i'd like to say thank you for your service since you've been out
0: (laughs) yes there we go don't thank me please (laughs) exactly (laughs) Um, yes, so you know that those are are both parts behind us, but um in, in, a, in a sort of way, I kind of a lot of people who I see as either veterans of either law enforcement or the military or any of these, you know, armed doing bad things to people, kind of uh, government jobs, I, I kind of sort of see them as kindred spirits, so it's always nice to see that people are also making the same rationalizations and, and coming from... Like I said, the re- it's almost like the redemption story, like realizing the error of your ways and, and making a conscious effort to do better. So I think that's awesome. Um, but I have to ask, you know, there, I know a lot more veterans in the voluntarist community than I do police. How is it being an ex-officer in the voluntarist community?
1: You know, I haven't really had an issue. You know, I think if I had just stopped being a cop five years ago, it could have kind of been an issue, Um, but I've been... In the voluntarist movement since 2008. So I'm kind of an original gangster. I'm kind of an OG of the, of the contemporary generation. And I think I've been around long enough and know enough people that uh, there would certainly, I would hope there would be some suspicion uh, to start out with. Uh, but I think that enough people know me that I'm, I'm the real deal now. And I've really had nobody, uh, nobody be a jerk about it or anything. Lots of people just want to chat about it. And I love that. Love to give the, the perspectives that, that I bring to the, the table.
0: Well, yeah, it's especially unique because, uh, you know, I, I am no stranger to talking ill of, uh, the cops. <laughs> and it's one thing for me to bash on police. And I say bash, but just give proper justified criticism of what they do and, and how it is. And, uh, but it's another thing entirely to see it from someone who actually was there, who did it. Uh, it's a lot about people speaking about military affairs who who never served kind of thing versus the opinion of a veteran. It's like, okay, well, one of these people has been
1: there. So <laughs> there's it, just, you know, it gives you a lot more weight. It does. And yet, in some ways, I don't think it should. Because if I talk to somebody who is a, a low to mid-level grunt or even a high-level uh, military person or a police chief or something. It's not like those people are in on the big picture of what's going on. And so I think that the philosopher that sits in his ivory tower and looks out at the war from 10,000 miles away, uh, doesn't have any less important of a, of a viewpoint. Then the grunt who is being fed propaganda day in and day out and is actually having some bad experiences and saying, see, those people, after you've, you know, killed their families, they flipped you off. They flipped you off, man. You see how horrible they are? They just flipped you off. And then you go, well, yeah, they are horrible. Whereas from a distance, I think sometimes the, the view can be a little bit clearer. So I, I'm trying to get rid of my cloudiness. I don't know how successful I am, but I'm trying.
0: It's a constant battle, right? Uh, I think... I feel like it's fair to say that pretty much no matter where you've been raised or or who taught you, unless they were anarchist voluntarists themselves, all of us have to do some reprogramming. Um, I'm just as guilty as that as everyone else. Uh, I had my fair share of propaganda through the public school system that follows me in some cases to this day. Uh, but every, every time it comes up, you just have to try to squash it. So,
1: Yes. kind of catch what i do is i catch myself in speech i'll say something that i i know i shouldn't say like the we fallacy i'll say Mm -hmm. well you know we really should have blah 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 and then i think up who's that with me there who is this other person in this we that i'm talking about yeah it's a constant battle to stay intellectually honest and uh smart about things
0: very much so very much so Mm -hmm. i think what what i love so much about the work that you do and i'm gonna lap more praises onto you is that you really have this uh spot where you come you come at the people who would never find liberty after dark interesting or some of the other channels that focus very heavily on the ethics and the philosophy and tell the hard truths and are you know building and just as many bridges as they probably burn you're you're very much the the open hand of the community which i think is extremely important and so how do you how did you kind of land in that that niche I suppose? What what got you to
1: the, there? You know, I I kind of came to to realize that if we were measuring IQ points, uh, I'm above average, but I'm nowhere near the 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 median the mean the average in in the voluntarist community, uh, the people are just so smart. And approximately ninety nine point three eight two percent are uh, computer programmers or do something in that industry. The engineers, something like that. Very analytical minds, and. I've found that quite frequently, the people that are have the engineering mind that just that analytical, um, listen to the truth, think it over and then believe what what the conclusion is, that kind of person isn't always as good with people. And they are not (laughs) the salesman or the, uh, the minister or the that kind of personality. And. There's a reason that engineers don't answer the customer service line. And I just recognize that the voluntarist community did not have very many customer service operators on standby. And uh, so I love arguing the deep stuff, even when I don't understand it all. I love uh, just immersing myself in it. I love that. But I also really love the idea of helping people look inside their own heads and and say, hey, what? Is what I believe, is it all consistent? Does it all make sense? Or yeah, maybe I'm a little bit off on something. And I just love helping people explore what they believe and offering some ideas. So yeah, I just kind of landed there. That's, uh, that's great, really. There's a couple other uh, people who I know who kind
0: of fit that in a, in a similar place. And I don't think there are enough of them. You know, for me, I, I love the philosophy so much that I don't ever think I'd be good at it. I think I'd accidentally <laughs> be bringing the philosophy. along. Oh, you guys, you know, my aunt wants to learn. Here's Kant. You know, it's great. Just yeah. read some of it. You know, I promise. <laughs> here's a thesaurus and a dictionary. You'll need both, but it's okay. Um, yeah, I think, I think what yeah. you're doing is great is basically what I wanted to say. And I wanted to make sure I well, got that you. out there in the beginning. Anybody who hasn't gone and and seen his stuff over on YouTube, Shepard thinks Uh, fantastic stuff. Great stuff. He does a a lot of different types of content as well. It's not just exclusively voluntarist philosophy or anything like that. There's some logic. There's some, I saw recently some, some finance there's interviews with people. It's a lot of great content. So make sure you guys go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Um, so I think, I think pretty much that sums up what I wanted to get out of you uh, for this, this episode <laughs> so that people knew you going in before
1: we went any further. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I've lost audio on you. Oh, you have? I don't know. If, oh, now I haven't. Now I'm back and I have you. I don't know if it was a problem for anybody else. So if whatever you said right before you took a sip. I did not get whatever you said. Okay, sorry. I said I think that's pretty much what I wanted to
0: get as far as the introduction so that before we went f- moving forward everybody had some context on who
1: shepherd the voluntarius actually was. Great, great. Well, what you know, there's this this scenario that I thought of years ago. It actually started when I was a cop and I've been thinking about this for 15-20 years and I call it the watermelon tossing Scenario. Yeah, is it okay if we go over that? Yes, I would love to. I think it's a great discussion. Yeah, and and so kind of the the way the scenario goes is there are four uh, people uh, standing on top of the overpass, and there's the freeway going under that. And we can say they're teenagers, but that doesn't really matter. Whatever the deal is, they're standing up there, and they have watermelons, and. The, all four of them throw a watermelon uh, off of the overpass, but they're each in a little bit different situation and have a different intent. And so I'm going to kind of run down just quickly what the three or what the four of them are thinking. But the, the punchline of this, the question that we're going to ask afterward, uh, after I spit out the, the quick scenario, is assume that you are the judge, you are the arbiter. And the whole, if you're familiar with libertarian philosophy, let's say it's a DRO, a dispute resolution organization, or some sort of other arrangement, but all parties involved have previously signed a contract saying you are the judge. You get to decide whatever you want using your best judgment. You get to give penalties, uh, punitive penalties. And so we're also going to assume that the results of these guys throwing the watermelons over the uh, top of the overpass, uh, we're going to assume that any damage that is done, actual physical damage, that's already been paid for. So I'm kind of replicating the idea of in today's system, we have a, uh, a civil and a criminal, uh, kind of two separate things, like O.J. Simpson uh, was tried in the criminal system and was not found guilty, but then he was tried in the civil system and he was found guilty. So there are two separate systems going on. So for the sake of this scenario, we're just pretending that we're the, we're the punishers that teach people a lesson Mm -hmm. so that they don't do something wrong the next time, but it's all voluntary. So you're not a bad guy. We've all asked you to be in this position. So, First dude that throws the watermelon over the top, uh, we'll call him Bill. He just thinks it's funny. He throws a watermelon. uh, He wants to scare the car that's driving down below. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. He just wants to scare him. And he throws a watermelon and he completely misses the car. Uh, The watermelon lands on the ground. The, The car doesn't even know it. So good for Bill. Nothing bad happens. Next guy, Sam, he throws his watermelon, but deep in his evil heart of hearts, he is hoping that it's going to land on the windshield of a car, break it, kill the driver, make the car swerve off the road and crash and burn and kill everybody inside it. That's what this evil bastard wants. And in his case, in Sam's case, he was a good shot. Uh, That's exactly what happened. Well, now the third guy throws the watermelon. His name's Jack. He throws a watermelon. He intends to just, you know, same as Bill, just a funny prank. And unfortunately, he hit a car and the car swerves off the road, bursts into flame. Everybody dies. Um, so same result as Sam, but the same intention as Bill. And then the final guy, David, he throws his watermelon and he has the same intent That Sam had, he wanted death and destruction, but fortunately he completely missed and his watermelon just hit the ground and splattered and the driver didn't even know it. So judge Christian, judge listeners, what, uh, what do you think should happen to these folks? Well,
0: I think it's really important to start with the fact that the people who didn't hit anyone Uh, There is no association Is what is it saying? Nine-tenths of the law, I believe, uh, in this case. So I believe it was Bill and David who both missed, correct? Yeah, in this scenario. So Bill and David, they didn't hit anybody. It doesn't matter what their intention was. They didn't cause any property damage. They didn't aggress against anybody. So there's no no penalty to be issued at that point. Uh, Sam and Jack, however. So we have two cases of clear aggressions, right? And the question at the end of the day that I think this is really trying to get to is does the intent of the person matter when distributing punishments, right? And the, that leads to a lot of interesting ethical questions. So if you boil all of this down, we're asking if someone murders someone accidentally and someone does so with the intent to murder someone, should they be issued separate punishments? Now, I haven't spent a ton of time on considering exact punishments for different things, because I'm, again, I'm more on the ethics side, less on the, uh, I don't want to be an arbiter, let's just put it that way, I wouldn't <laughs> want that job, I'm sure they'd get paid well, but um, I wouldn't be the one, one wanting to make that decision, and in this case, it is it is difficult, because the initial reaction is obviously, I think nine 9 out of 10 people watching this, and I'm going to generalize a little bit, would say, Oh, well, the one with the intent to murder should be punished more than the one without the intent to murder. But if we're asking what justification there is for that, it's it's going to be some sort of a it's a basis not on an aggression itself, but on the context of an aggression, which ethically doesn't make any sense. Right. And I want to explain that just a little bit. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but no, I I love it. Why I'm I'm, asking you. (laughs) Yeah, I want to make sure the context is fully filled out here. There is no difference between the intent or lack of intent of a crime or any other thought committed at the time of an action. If I wanted to kill you while I killed you or if I was thinking about pizza while I killed you, it doesn't change the aggression. The 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 crime is killing you. The crime is not wanting to kill you because we can't police people's thoughts. So the ethical – what I would believe is the ethical response. Now, this is under contract, so you could say that intent counts and adds X percent to the punishment if that's in the stipulation of your arbitration agreement. However, I would believe that the ethical response without that context would be to punish them both equally. What would that punishment be? Um, I, I, I want to immediately go to fines, but I don't think – I don't even know if that's appropriate in this situation – um, you would have to find something that is applicable for adequate restitution. Locking someone in a cage is not very productive; it's not productive at all. Someone has to pay for them, and I highly doubt that Sam and Jack have put in enough money to pay for their own jailings through all this. Um, so I think you have to you have to extract uh, property from them until the people who have been damaged or their spouse or significant other or whoever is in this arbitration agreement to be the one that gets the property is uh satisfied because really that's what it comes down to what what does it take for them to re-enter into the reciprocity of rights after they violated them uh it is a flexible scale she she could be super forgiving and say you know what i forgive you he's dead i know you made a mistake but uh you you i i forgive you and they can re-enter into polite society until they mess up again but uh, that's entirely on whoever the um, I'm trying to figure out what the word I'm looking for is here. But whoever will be receiving the
1: the benefit of the the penalty these two take. So uh, does that yeah. answer your question at all? Yes, and I, I'm I'm thinking back to the old days. Back uh, there was a guy that used to be a, a voluntarist philosopher. That uh, he had a, a a series of podcasts about. I think it was these cages are for beasts or something like this. Stephen Molyneux, and <laughs> one of the things he talked about was what is it we really want? Do we want a pound of flesh, or do we just not want this person to do this again? And and I wonder if a the victim's heirs might be chatted with, with a calm arbiter and say, well, what do you want? Do you want this person to just have a miserable rest of their life? Or would you like them? Are you really into, uh, I don't know, highway cleanup stuff? Would you like to see if they'll just do an hour a week for the rest of their life of picking up litter off the highway? Or, you know, what, what can we do that would be positive for you? And I I think that makes good sense. And, And I have to think that, Most people aren't bad people. They're going to be angry right off the bat. But then once they calm down a little bit and see the human in the other person. um, Yeah, I don't know that everybody needs a huge pound of flesh, especially for the guy that was just trying to have a little bit of fun and oopsie daisy. He had no mal intent. He's just trying to have some fun. Yeah, I think I could forgive him much more easily.
0: Yeah. And at the same time, you know, I think part of the beauty of a system like this is that it doesn't you don't have to be a benevolent soul. There is something for you to potentially gain through this. Um, you know, if if you want to look at it from that perspective, there are multiple motivations why you would not want to lock that person up. Like, let's say they have to work part time at your store for the next year. Like, there yeah. you go. You got a free part time worker for a year while they pay off their their debt to for killing your significant other or whatever. And who knows, maybe they'd be a great employee and you can officially hire them on after that. Um, yep. There are ways you can personally benefit while they still have to pay, whether it's their time or their money or something to to prove that they want to reenter into the agreement of reciprocity. That's a whole – the point of restitution is to hurt. It is supposed to be your – it's like – it's almost like – it's kind of – it's almost ritualistic in a sense. It's like I'm going to give up a piece of myself as property to prove that I, I understand the error of my ways and I want to do better. Um, that's the whole reason the penalty exists um, as, as opposed to today where they just do it and slap you on the wrist and say, okay, we're going to take this. Don't do it again, and it, it doesn't matter anyway to Sunday. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think the the big answer also that the reason we're having a conversation like this is it's a it's a thought exercise, it's a brain exercise. But in truth, those of you that are thinking and just saying ooh, ooh, "Ooh, I wish I was on on the line so I could give an even better answer. I have a solution here." The truth is, neither you nor I nor Christian have a good answer. This is a complex issue. There is no way that we could look into the future and centrally plan the thing that would be best for society. Just, it, it, I, I can't. And I think I'd be better than most at it. No way I'd be successful at it. And that's a good argument for why you guys should not vote for me for president or commissioner. And I'm better than any of the folks that want to get elected for that. So if you're not going to vote for me, don't vote for them either. I don't vote.org. There we go. Exactly.
0: Uh, I believe Lysander Spooner once said uh, voting be whack or something like that so
1: (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like him (laughs) yeah pretty sure it's a
0: direct quote yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) well you kind of mentioned the I just wanted to say real quick uh, I've been doing a lot of these hypotheticals recently on and off air and I love them honestly well I think the nap ones like is this a nap violation like that's a little old because I feel like We've kind of gotten pretty good at defining what an aggression is, uh, but I think these kinds where it's, like, really into the nitty-gritty and, like, okay, what does the ethics say what we should do in a system of arbitration? Well, fundamentally, at the end of the day, this is a contract-based system, so it could be whatever you signed. If, if you signed one that says, I have to trot through the snake pit to prove myself, you know, that's
1: <laughs> that you signed the line, you know I mean? Right. So... So, And I'm going to put you on the spot here because you're more of a, a scholastic intellectual in, in philosophy than I am. So I'm going to put, uh, put you on the spot here and ask you, for the person just getting into voluntarism, logic, philosophy, reason, whatever, whatever this whole f- field of thought is, what's the difference between morals and ethics? So this is a great question, and it depends on who you ask.
0: A conventional philosophy will say there isn't a difference between moral and ethics, but I disagree. Um, Ethics is – if you were to Google the definition right now, they would be completely interchangeable words with some extremely minor variation of synonymous words in the definition. So um, for most of time, they have meant the same thing. So when Kant is writing – the metaphysics of morality he's talking about ethics and morality in the same coin now i think there's a bit of shift going on and i've felt this way for a while but it's nice to know that other people in this circle also feel the same way that there is a distinction between ethics and morality whenever we're talking about a universe where there is no objective morality right so if you have an ethical system that has a moral code and there is an objective morality. They're essentially the same thing. The ethical system is the objective morality. There is no one way or another about it. If there is a subjective morality, you can have an ethical system that is enti- entirely consistent and valid but and is pinned on, on logic, which is objective. And I'd love to see anybody who disagree, disagrees with that because their arguments would be invalidated by their claim that there can be no objective ethics. But – The if if there is a subjective morality in an objective ethics, there needs to be a distinction between ethics and morality, because at that point, morality is whatever you want it to be. And ethics are not ethics are systems. They are codes. They are they have rules that they have to follow when a subjective morality is whatever you want it to be. It's a state of nature. Um, I'm sure you've heard that term thrown around a lot, but it is whatever I want to do when I want to do it, regardless of the consequences or whatever. So. Hopefully that answers the question a little bit, but yeah, that's yeah. That's, thank you. I prefer to use the term ethics because when we're talking about systems, we're talking about, you know, ethics, that's what it is. It is is the methodology of creating rational, logical systems by which to interact with other individuals in society. That's all it is. Beautiful. Beautiful. If I could change the definition of any two things, that would probably be it: ethics and morality. Cause I, I have very, uh, I've I've had this question asked multiple times and so many people just say, well, that's not what it means. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to change the definition then because <laughs> I think it's a bad definition. Uh, well, you
1: know, I, I found similar when I argue with uh, theists uh, because I am not a theist. And so my definition uh, as a person who studies logic of the word faith is very different than theirs. And I think it's okay that we have different definitions of words, but before we would ha- can have a meaningful conversation, we would just have to agree, okay, let's just take the word faith off of the table. You make up a word that means what you are thinking of. You define what you're thinking of. We'll use that word. That word could be a code, well, uh, blue. And then I'll tell you <laughs> what I'm thinking it means and I'm gonna call that red. And then we'll use those words so there's no confusion. Uh, but I-, I think it's completely okay for us to, kind of have different nuances to how we think about words and we just have to talk to our conversation partner about it and make sure that we're both on the same same page i
0: think yeah as long as both parties agree right i mean that's the benefit of having if you're having a genuinely good faith discussion you won't get stuck on the semantics of of a word um you'll you'll find a way to bridge past that uh there's always you can use a different word there lots of words have synonyms Um, you know, you could stop talking about, like, I, one thing I like to say is I like to think of ethics as systems and morality as what is good and what is evil, because those are not the same thing. Um, and and so one's a value judgment. The other one is a logic based system. So, you know, it's like what the engineers like, you know, (laughs) like we were talking about earlier, (laughs) the, the A to B to C to Z, you know, all the way through versus the, the spectrum, I think is a good way of, of looking at the two things.
1: From a recruiting standpoint, this is just a a burr under my saddle. Uh, And I haven't ridden in so many years, I think it's supposed to be a a burr under the saddle blanket, because that would make more uh, more annoyance for the horse but We know who our target market is. We know who the low hanging fruit is. You and I (laughs) as influencers, why would we reach out to the general public? Why wouldn't we do a test or not a test, but buy a mailing list for people with high IQs who are into (laughs) engineering and computers. And these are people that go, you know, two plus two, I really would like it to equal five, but if it equals four, I'll live with it. And Are willing to face that cognitive dissonance and move beyond it and say yeah i'll trust the outcome (laughs) uh because i want my mom to be ethical
0: good point because i want my dad to be ethical i want my brother to be ethical i don't want them violating people's rights i don't want them to have to to suffer the consequences that could come along with that and, you know, as much as as much as it can be easier, I'll admit that at times to talk to people who maybe are already libertarians looking at voluntarism or conservatives or, or even just really smart liberals, whoever, and having conversations about these kinds of things. Maybe they, those connect people better. But at the end of the day, I'll be honest, I care about those people a lot less than the ones who wouldn't care about the ethics so much or, or don't right. maybe have that super high IQ. Not to suggest that my family aren't all very intelligent and successful people because they are. Just in case they're watching this, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I—that's I, you know when I, at the end of the day, like you're right. I we could definitely make a mailing list, a shepherd and Christians mailing list. We could reach all these different people. It'd be great. Uh, probably way more retention and, and access to potential viewers. But uh, that's just as much not me as it is the people who I want to reach.
1: So. Mm. That reminds me of Carl Hess, uh, a video of his I watched. Uh, and that's for those of you who are hanging on my every word and right, taking notes, uh, <laughs> that's Carl with a K. Carl Hess, and he was a speechwriter for um, a pro-statist named Barry Goldwater years ago. And he was essentially a voluntarist uh, back in the 70s and 80s was kind of, I think, his heyday, maybe the 60s as well. Um, The only guy that he knew of at the time that had the IRS hate him so much that they attached the 100% of all future income. He was never allowed to earn a penny that he would keep in the rest of his life. But anyway, Ooh, wow. it, it, as, as part of the fallout of that, he moved to the back hills of, I believe it was West Virginia. And he, he made the point that he says, my neighbors here are not uh, intellectual people. However, they know where my property line is and they respect it. And when I need help building my shed, they'll come over and volunteer their time and I'll do the same to them. Neither of us steal from each other. And he said, I, I, it occurs to me that I would rather have neighbors that don't understand their philosophy, but live it. than people who understand it and can pontificate and yet don't really live it. So yeah, I think that is kind of a tie in. If, If the people around us are, Living it. Yeah. We kind of like them to understand it and live it. It makes our lives better.
0: Yeah. And, and I just wanted to say as well, you're touching on something I, I bring up often, which is the uh, the difference between knowing and understanding a philosophy or a code of ethics and living. What's by. the difference?
1: Oh, Under- uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. OK, it,
0: exactly. Yeah. I think you've already see where I'm coming at, though. But like anybody can learn the tenets of voluntarism. It is it an, it is another thing entirely to actually live by them because there are a lot of us and I say us as in the Royal us, there's a lot of people out there who will be violating some of these tenants, whether or not they mean to in a lot of cases or whether or not it is beneficial for them to do so. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people who have been, you know, younger people who've been receiving these unemployment benefits for the last year and some change are probably not tax negative anymore. They are probably tax positive at this point and uh are are not uh recouping stolen funds from the government anymore as much as they are uh stealing so
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's, and it's i imp-
1: struggle with where my line is too
0: you know i i i it's it's an interesting it's an interesting question and i'm I'm sure you've, you've heard the flagpole scenario before. That's often the, the best one to go to because it talks about, you know, would you go to your death? Uh, and I have, you know, I'm been called an ideologue in the past because I believe that if to act otherwise to a rational system that you believe is logical, internally consistent, externally consistent in pretty much all manners and respects is – is completely antithetical to any sort of, of, there's a a word I'm looking for here, but let's just say being a decent human being, um, it's it's difficult for me to accept that. And maybe that's a failing on my part. Um, I know we're only human and everybody makes mistakes. So at some point I will probably have a a failing, an ethical failing where I choose to make the wrong decision. Um, But I think it's another one entirely to know the correct answer. For there to be no question and to act otherwise, that's a very – it's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. It's difficult to see a way where you could seek restitution and legitimately be reentered into the reciprocity of rights at that point because you already are very well aware of everything, of why everything is the way it is and why it needs to be that way. And to act otherwise is then to say, I don't care. And so, you know, it's like, how can we ever trust someone who does that again to reciprocate rights? At what point will they just say, "Okay, well, I've hit my wall, so I'm just going to violate someone's rights again"?
1: I don't know if I don't it- know if you can seek restitution there. I'm going to be honest. My, the way that I approach that is is a little bit different and more casual, less formal. Um, I'm thinking of Larkin Rose's um, conflict equilibrium idea. And I'm thinking about just being a good neighbor and about, and nothing's really that big of a deal. Uh, there are times that I know that if I eat um, tofu saturated celery, that I will probably have a healthier life than if I eat uh, dead chicken wings dipped in in uh, blue cheese dressing. <laughs> However, sometimes I make the wrong choice. And I can, I, I think I'm just being honest and saying that yeah, I know it philosophically is right and wrong. And I'll also tell you that if you walk up to my wife and you spit in her face and turn around to start walking away, I'll probably clock you. I will initiate violence. That's now, the other person, though. well, but but they initiated, but then they broke off the fight. The fight's done. They're walking away. It's fine. Now I'm going after them.
0: Their state of nature being at that point, like reciprocity of rights is is a is a very black and white thing which is something I think a lot of people don't understand. It's once you violate someone's rights, you are no longer obligated to receive those benefits.
1: You're not in the club
0: anymore. You're not in the club anymore. You're a state of nature being, and it is is, as visceral or, or unappealing as the idea is. I often say you have returned to the cattle essentially, because you have the equivalent rights of a cattle, maybe less in some cases. Um, because well, all... may I
1: change my what's that? May I change my scenario a little bit? Sure. Because, Go for it. because I'm learning this too. And I want you to get into the more of the, the nuanced stuff that I'm not sure I get. What if instead of spitting on my wife, they just looked at her and said, or, or something like that. And they didn't initiate violence, but it very much hurt her feelings and I decided to sock the dude. So now I'm the initiator of violence.
0: Yes, that would, in your case, you would be the initial aggressor in that. Um, I would say he was uh, not a nice person for doing so, and he shouldn't do that. But uh, I can also say that about a lot of different things. Uh, and as long as there is no violation of someone's person property, liberty—you know we can go down the list. But as long as there isn't a violation of the non-aggression principle at any point, there's no uh, justification for you to use Force against them because they haven't violated their portion of the reciprocity of rights. They've just been a jerk. And I know lots of jerks, you know, <laughs> and it doesn't give me an excuse to initiate violence against them. I can just not associate with them.
1: I think from a, a pure standpoint, I agree completely. Like, there's like, I can't say, nope, this is where you have it wrong. No, you got it absolutely right. I think that I would be just fine living in a world where we all took reasonable actions. And even if we didn't understand what the non-aggression principle was, there's just kind of this thing where you, after I sock the guy, everybody standing around goes, Hey man, you shouldn't have hit him that hard. You, You know, you probably should have just shoved him or something. And I'll go, yeah, you're right. I was out of control. I'm sorry. And then everybody is completely cool with me and wants to hang out. Well,
0: I agree. A world like that could exist, but that's not a logically consistent position to hold. Because, So, are you familiar with uh, anything by Kant by any chance?
1: You know what? It has been 25 years since I read.
0: So, the first formulation of the categorical imperative, it's it's universalizability. Uh, I'm going to misquote it a little bit. I'll paraphrase slightly. It's going to be close, though. Uh, Treat each action as if you wished it to be a universal maxim. So basically that means that don't, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Maybe is a good way of putting it. Don't do anything you wouldn't think is acceptable for everyone to do. And to do otherwise is automatically going to be inconsistent because if you believe you should be able to do something, then that person should be able to do it. So if shepherd wants to be punched in the face, whenever he, offend someone essentially right because that's what we're talking about you know you made some rude gesture at your wife which hurt mm-hmm. her feelings and you took it personally which i'm not going to say is invalid or valid that's your personal opinion you could you know perceive that however you want but to then say that that person is justified in being acting against and then going before the court of public opinion that means that anyone who's offended by you for any reason is do the same thing so if you walk past them And they say, God, I hate that guy's black jacket. It just hurts my feelings so much and come up and punch you. And then, you know, they get, well, we just wait for the court of public opinion to decide because, you know, you hurt my feelings. So if we're going to apply this, this scenario universally, that's what we would have to do. And uh, I don't I don't think that's what you want, though. Right.
1: I don't know. I can't argue with what you just said. I mean, I love the idea of everything being uh, just so clear and the, kind of the Germanic. We have the rules in place and all you have to do is follow these rules and everything will be good. Um, but I'm arguing against what I've argued for years and I'm, I'm using the, well, you just don't understand in the real world. You have to have some government. I'm kind of <laughs> using that argument. I'm not arguing for government, but – I'm I, I do think that the conflict equilibrium concept just really makes sense if you you should never know exactly what you can and can 't get away with. You just have a general idea of hey, I should probably be cool, never know what's going to happen if i 'm not
0: um i I think there's so we're, there's almost there's a a bit of pragmatism right I think that's a, a good way of looking at it is that this this entire idea is built on the idea that there will be people who are not aware of the non-aggression principle and who are not aware of all of the ethical systems and who will make mistakes and and you shouldn't just shoot them just because, because they're ignorant to the fact that you know they shouldn't be doing that or don't understand why and it, it I, I get it I, I really do trust me I, I understand why it makes sense to be pragmatic in these situations uh, and I and you should always in my opinion in my opinion which is important to note there this is no longer ethical theory. You should always err on the side of least, uh, or what's the most justifiable force? How about that? Mm-hmm. You want to um, you want to escalate up to. You don't want to start at the the end of the the use of force chain, right? And, yes. But there's nothing in ethical doctrine that says you have to do so. That's just something that I think people should do as decent human beings. Now, again, Shepard, if you punch someone, I think it would be incredibly wise for everyone around that area who feels like they need to do something to collect as much information as possible. Because if the tables are turned and he did spit in your wife's face and you punched him and then they try to arrest you or put a fine on you or something, now they're the ones who are, you know, being unethical because they're violating your – right. and so it becomes this cascading spiral, right – That's why, you know, it it is difficult. I'm not going to pretend like it's not difficult. It is extremely difficult. Probably the reason that it hasn't been done. But that doesn't make it not right. Uh, It doesn't make it not the correct answer. It just is asking a lot of us, which we all as rational, sentient human beings have the capacity to do if we choose to do so.
1: And I like that it comes down to... There is there is a difference between the pure philosophy, the intellectual part of it, and our opinions, the kind of world that we want to live in. And we can all day long say we want to live in a world where people bring us ice cream, but that doesn't, doesn't make it a positive, right? <laughs> yeah. The non-aggression principle is the
0: baseline, right? Like this is boilerplate stuff. We are one level above the state of nature. Right. Like if government is 50 steps above, we'll, well, you know, just for the sake of the argument, we're, we're on the first step above the state of nature. You know, you have all of the animals and everything. And then there's the non-aggression principle. You can put yourself on any one of those rings above that as long as you don't do anything that violates that step. Don't don't hurt people. Don't take their things and if you follow those rules, you can do whatever you want. You can go to church every Sunday. You can give out free candy. You can say that people should give out free candy, but you can't force someone to give out free candy. Right. Um, it, it is It is definitely a system to build off of. And communities would, of course, do that, right? Like, I think the idea that we would just have nothing but the non-aggression principle in a city like Austin or Houston or Dallas could operate at any sort of reasonable capacity without any sort of cooperative contract going on that binds people to an agreement uh, or dare i say voluntary contributions to a public fund to maintain the city i know it's an unpopular opinion but as long as it's ethical there's nothing wrong with these things you know we cannot like them there are people who hate them and uh, you know what there will for a long time now be farmland out in wyoming that is ready for anybody who wants to live there so. Yeah, you know, I've been
1: looking at stuff in Arkansas and Missouri that's out in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. And I'm actually getting kind of, I don't know. I just want to get it away from it all. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get—I hear your point. Yeah.
0: That's good, though. No, there's a great conversation. I, I now,
1: let it's... me, can we go on the NAP for another couple minutes? Yeah, sure. Go for it. So so let me ask you this about the, the NAP. I have, last year or so, been thinking that there is not an... NAP, non-aggression principle. There are non-aggression principles. You have one and I have one. I know some people that say that uh, animals, that that cows and chickens, we should not initiate violence against them. And then I say, well, no, my non-aggression principle is that I will not initiate violence against other people. You may say that you will not initiate violence against tofu. You're welcome to have that principle. But I don't. So do you think it is a hard set thing? And if so, who says? Logic says, um, do I think I have the perfect answer?
0: No. Do I even think I have a definition off the top of my head that would be satisfactory right now? Probably not. It is a bit of a colloquialism. I'll be honest. It, you know, there there have been multiple non-aggression principles. I don't think I've seen one in writing that I thought – like, yeah, this is it. This is the non-aggression principle. This is this covers everything. Because it would need to probably be a book full of justifications for its answers. Um, you ca- As much as I would love to just write a single article that was like, here's the non-aggression principle and here's every justification as to why, uh, I can tell you that if I see one that is incorrect or not logically consistent or is is co-opting other ideas for the sake of co-opting them, there's no issue with rejecting those. And it's not – This is not a spectrum, right? We're talking about an ethical system. The non-aggression principle is an ethical system. It makes claims based off of observations of reality about how humans should behave. And, you know, to say something like, oh, well, you shouldn't aggress against animals. Well, no, there's no reason why you shouldn't aggress against animals in an ethical sense. I mean, you shouldn't. It's terrible. But in an ethical sense, (laughs) they're state of nature beings. They have no capacity for reciprocity of rights. There's any – so my dog, I love my dog. If anybody hurt my dog, that would probably be the closest I ever got to breaking the non-aggression principle. (laughs) Um, But me caring for him is more so a form of pathological altruism than it is an ethical obligation for me to do so. Uh, Just like if he wanted to, he has the capacity as a state of nature being to wake up and say, man, his throat looks very tasty tonight. (laughs) And there's nothing I could do to stop him. There's no way I could rationalize with him. Uh, he's he's <laughs> he's incapable of reciprocating rights. I can't ask him for reciprocity if he, you know, at that point, you know, you just have to accept the fact that maybe very intelligent, sophisticated, emotionally complex animals, but so are we. And for the same reason that when people can't reciprocate rights, they're state of nature beings who don't get rights. Animals are the same way. Just like animals can't give consent, they aren't sentient. They can't reciprocate rights. Boom. So that one's done. You know, you can you can move that one to the side. Now, I I get what you're saying, though. There are lots of different situations where I've seen non-aggression principles that don't include property because they claim private property isn't real. And it's like, well, if private property isn't real, then none of the non-aggression principle makes sense. And you can dissect all of these things back and we could probably do an entire episode just going through bad non-aggression principle theories. But I think that's a good way of putting it. The non-aggression principle really is a colloquialism. It's like a term we use to say, you know, don't, vi- don't hurt me. Don't take my stuff. You know, these, these simple concepts that we all understand don't impede my travel, you know, these life, liberty, property things. But, um, maybe that would be a good project some days to try to make a good one, try to make one. I was really like, this is it guys, Th- throw the book down. The conversation's over non-aggression. Principle. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it is a good point though. Uh, I, I do think to say it for a third time, I do think it is more so a colloquialism in modern usage in voluntary circles than it is like a quote. you know like when I Kant, er, when I, when, I Kant, when I quote Kant in the categorical <laughs> imperative, like that's you know when I say categorical imperative, it only means one thing, the categorical imperative. When you when you say the nap, it really is more so talking about an idea than it is like the quote quote of like here's the paragraph, you know.
1: Maybe that okay, maybe that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. yeah I've, I've been uh, struggling with this in a couple months. Each year I travel out west to uh, I live in the west, but I travel a good distance to help some family friends with branding. And I am wrestling little cute baby calves whose mothers are screaming for them and they're screaming while other people are putting searing hot, pieces of metal against their skin and burning them and clipping. I mean, it is a, it is a horrific thing if you're not from the country and a farmer or a rancher, like for, for kind of a soft city boy, like I've become the last 20 years, it's a, it's a real eye opener. And I think, wait, it it seems like I could be doing something better with my day than hurting all these little critters. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about it from an ethical standpoint. I, I get that they're uh state of nature uh beings I, I, I get that they don't have they're not sentient um but yeah I, I i've been having to ponder that some i still plan to go this year but i'm not sure that i should oh don't get me wrong i would not associate with someone
0: who abused animals because i think it is very much telling of how they would treat people i I have, you know, that there's, there's, that's a bit of a presumptuous thing, but I'm allowed to make those sometimes. (laughs) If you beat your dog, I really don't want to be your friend and I will come up with whatever excuse I need to not be your friend at that point. Maybe it's just because you beat your dog and that's it. That's all the justification (laughs) I need. Uh, But that's a great example of how kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, how the non-aggression principle is the bottom. It makes no claim as far as like, should you beat your dog? What's well, your property? If anything, it reinforces the fact that you should be able to beat your dog. But don't come up to me and say, oh, well, the non-aggression principle allows me to do it. And it's like, well, you're really lucky. Because otherwise, we'd be fighting right now. So just, you no longer associate. You make a giant billboard that says, my ex-friend used to be, continues to beat his dog. And then <laughs> his business gets flooded with calls and he gets fired. And guess what? Maybe he'll learn to not beat his dog after that. <laughs> it's, it, but, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's You can freely associate with whoever you want, and that is definitely a line that I have. Uh, beating spouses is another one. Uh, beating people in general. Actually, you know what? If you're beating pretty much anything that isn't an inanimate object or a person who consented in a boxing ring, I probably don't want to be your friend. So... <laughs> yeah, I feel like that uh, probably... Maybe, uh, makes a little more sense of where I was coming from in the beginning there.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good answer. I'm still not convinced. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent persuaded, um, that my preference would be to have the, uh, the sterile, precise, uh, definition th- to live in a society that had that versus, uh, Kind of just letting communities, letting the individuals in a community, because there's no such thing as community, letting the individuals in a community um, kind of decide what they as individuals will and won't tolerate. And it's no, no government involved. Um, I I think I would, I would be okay with seeing my neighbor beaten, kicking his puppy across the street and I go over and grab him and shove him away and pick up the dog and take the dog with me.
0: Well, again, you know, I... if you live in a city where you all consensually signed when you buy your house and you know you got your mortgage and everything, and it's like, okay, now you have to sign the the city agreement because this land was originally owned by a person who set up, you know, whatever you, whatever situation you need to make this ethical, right? Um, you know, and then you would be totally justified if it says no dog beating on his homeowner's insurance. Or something, you know, um, and in that in the clause there, it says your neighbor can confiscate your dog or whatever. You know, you can't beat your dogs to be qualified for homeowner. There's a lot of different ways you could look at this. Um, but so I wrote a, a, a small blip recently. I won't even call it a paper. It was hardly that. And it was basically about. People, one of the the number, and I think this is similar to what we're talking about right now, but not 100 percent the same, is that a lot of times when I talk to very, very smart philosophical people, people who are studying philosophy actively, who want to be full fledged philosophers. If they're not already, which I think a lot of them prob- could probably cons- be considered that at this point, uh, they, a lot of them will hear what I have to say. They'll, the whole spiel hours will talk. Well, I'll just give them the whole sales pitch from top to bottom. And, you know, starting with first principles, building up the applications in society, you know, everything. I love it. But a lot of times what I hear is like, wow. Okay. Wow. Like this is a really simple system. It's logically consistent. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, but I don't like the way it doesn't, you know, address, let's make up something. Uh, the, the disadvantages of being a minority. And I'm like, well, do you have like an ethical reason for why, is there like a rational reason for why you think that should be or anything? It's like, no, I just really think a system should have that. And I, I called it the, uh, the curse of the wants and how a lot of times we let what we want get in the way of what is right because those are not always the same thing i want a billion dollars right? i have done nothing to earn a billion dollars <laughs> right um and and as much as i you know i can want it as much as i want but it doesn't make it a will or an is um it's this idea like an ethical system ought to have this okay well it doesn't because it wouldn't be logically consistent if it did. Uh, and so give me one second. Sorry. My dog wants to get up on the bed. So oh yeah. <laughs> he's, absolutely. He's whining just a little bit. So I just want to get him up there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. <clears throat> I know. I happy my... dog. Happy house. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: He, he can make a lot of noise sometimes. So uh, <laughs> it's just easier if I just let him up there, but yeah, um, Oh, jeez. Where was I? I was talking about... Oh, yeah. The Curse of the Wants. And it's, it's kind of frustrating for me, honestly. Uh, because it, it shows a lot of... Uh, are you aware... Of, so, like, a teleological philosophy is one that's consequential in nature, essentially. Teleological means the science of the end, right? It's all about getting the end results. And the Curse of the Want is how you get consequentialist philosophy at the end of the day you start with what you want you say okay let's talk about like maybe utilitarianism or hedonism you say i want there to be maximum pleasure and minimum pain so we're going to make a system that is internally consistent that makes sure these two things are cheap right and and you can do that that's great but it never solves the issue as to why pleasure and pain should be valued above all else right you just have to accept it. It's the initial assumption. It's the number one issue with most philosophies. And the reason that voluntarist philosophy doesn't fall into that is because it's not a very good philosophy. I know this is probably going to surprise some people. It makes so few claims about the nature of reality, it doesn't try to solve social paradigms, it doesn't try to create equality, it doesn't try to do any of those things. The, Voluntarist philosophy is more like an expose on how the world really is than it is some guideline on how to be the best person ever. Because if you just follow Voluntarist philosophy, you can be with completely within reciprocity of rights, the non-aggression principle. You can you can dot all of your eyes, you know. Cross all of your T's and, and know everything from Kant to Hobbes to every, everybody else on, on the spectrum and still be a, a terrible person. Terrible, terrible person. <laughs> and where a lot of philosophies try to solve ethics into making you the good person if you follow this, it makes no claim. It's, it's basically how can you walk across the street and not get shot by somebody? That is voluntarist philosophy. That is what we want the answer to, because anything else is subjective. It isn't based on reality. There's no observation to support it. Everything else is up to you. After that, how can you walk across the street and be reasonably certain that your neighbor isn't going to shoot you when you do so? That's that's that is what voluntarism tries to solve. Anything else is 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 too much. It's too much. There's there's always an initial assumption. There's always some variable that isn't accounted for. That makes the philosophy inconsistent, uh, and and you you know I could list hedonism, utilitarianism are two great, very obvious to see answers, but even like a classical Kantianism, you know, there's a linchpin hidden in there where justifications come from outside of the observable reality, and and we don't have any basis by which to believe that there could be any such uh, place for these, you know, uh, deontological rights to come from, but. Sorry, I know I'm going a little bit off the rails there, but I wanted to make sure that was clear because I feel like a lot of people miss this. Um, it's a very low level. To the computer people out there, if normal philosophy is like C++ and Java and all these other things, and then you've got you know some old school philosophy that you could consider like assembly, so you're like speaking in the base language of the c- computer chip instead of just some fancy high-level language, uh, voluntarism is like if you wrote a program a program. Oh God! It's like <clears throat> you wrote a program in binary, and you went through and put each one and zero in. It is so low level. It is. It is. It is one step above the state of nature. Nothing else. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and, and they, that was a super, super, super long way of saying I completely understand why you feel that way, and. There is a very high likelihood that you could convince a lot of people that they should sign a contract all saying that nobody in this neighborhood should beat their dog and we should be able to rescue the dog if somebody does. I don't feel like there's anything that says that 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 would suggest you couldn't do that. But then if you went to go take the person's dog without any of that supporting it, there's some very clear, very well thought out rational arguments to why that person should be able to aggress against you for doing so. And I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to happen to you. So because I couldn't be ethical if you took someone's dog without, you know, any sort of agreement because they were beating them and they shot you, I could do nothing other than stop your bleeding. Like there's no way I could, there's nothing I could ethically do at that point. And so it it creates a a chain where you have to then ask people if they want to support you, that they also have to be unethical to do so. And, and, It's a very it's a very hard position to put other people in as well.
1: Hmm. See, and and I come I come from two two angles from this. One of the angles is I love the quote: "If one takes care of the means, the end will take care of itself." And that Gandhi slash Carl Watner quote, I I love that, and that's that's how I live my life. I'm going to do the right thing today, and I hope good stuff comes out of it. But long story short. Today, right now, I'm gonna do what I, I believe is the right thing to do. And so I'm very much a, not a, uh, the ends justify the means kind of guy. And then on the other hand, I'm, I'm also a businessman. And if I'm building a business, there are certain things that the business needs to achieve. The whole reason you have a business is to make money and and have a way to to trade your value with other folks. And if you build up a business by a system, that doesn't get you money and doesn't get your value to other folks, then you say, well, this is something I want. It's, it's subjective. You, what you want is something different. So maybe we don't have the same systems, but I feel like we could be really good neighbors. Like I don't think that all people need to agree to a system that intellectuals have decided. And I can't argue against is the, the perfect one and only true system We don't all have to agree to that. We can still be really good neighbors.
0: Yeah, you can. Right. Like there's almost no situation where someone who's a utilitarian would um, try to kill you as their neighbor or something or try to maybe take it. Well, okay, I won't go that far because maybe they believe that your property will make someone really happy. So they take your property. That would cause issues. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It, but, you know, they most normal people don't have to worry about, you know, we lock our doors. But what are really the odds that someone's going to try to come in and steal from our home? Not very high. Most people nope. never have anything stolen from them. Besides, maybe I don't know if they left, <laughs> dropped their wallet and tried to come back for it an hour later. That's probably most theft that people see. Uh, but. And I, I do think you're right. I think that maybe we don't need these systems, Right. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the system and you're just kind of going with the flow, right? And every, then anything goes. And there isn't anything to ground what is happening other than mm-hmm. consensus, which is a logical fallacy, right? I mean, yeah. just yeah. because a lot of people agree on it doesn't mean that it's right. Uh, as we can see every single day in America, <laughs> uh, it. Oh. Someone's playing music. Sorry. I don't know if you could hear that or not, but I
1: can't. <laughs> oh, that's It's good. Hopefully it's, it's John Prine. Otherwise, I'm sorry. You're having to put up with their disrespect. No, of they, drove, property. they drove by. It was extremely. <laughs> oh, okay, wild okay. Yeah.
0: Um, but the, uh, basically kind of what I was getting at is I, I think it's, if we don't have anything to ground it back to, anything goes, it's anti-ethics at that point. We're mm-hmm. in, the, we're in the state of nature. We're just being nice in the state of nature. And at any point, If I wanted to unga bunga and hit you over your head and take your business and and whatever, and then you said, well, you shouldn't do that. And it's like, well, I decided not to be a good neighbor anymore today. And The committee comes together and all says we should burn him at the stake. What justification is there going to be for that punishment? How do we come to the conclusion that that is the right thing to do other than. Well, we all decided it should, or we feel like it should. We need a logical system backing these things so that we know we're not just acting on what is ultimately subjective and failing. Otherwise, we are just in a state of nature. We've just masked it. That's what this is. The government is the largest state of nature being on the face of the earth. It comes up to you, it takes your things, and it says, great, you have civilization now. Is that what this is, really? <laughs> being worried about being stolen from, killed, hurt, for non-violent, non-aggressions on a constant, potentially daily basis, depending on who you are, right? <laughs> you, you smoke a little weed, you might get locked into jail for God knows how long, or worse, potentially. Um,
1: it's good to have that solid foundation.
0: Yeah, I mean... That is, that is what we get. We get government, right? When we don't have a solid foundation telling us where the line is, eventually (laughs) we get government. That's the biggest failing of the founding fathers. They were so close. They were so close in a lot of ways. And I think if they had just let, they just, they've just listened to the anti-federalists just a little bit more, we would have, we would have gotten further away from federalized central government maybe even closer to a, a you know like the initial confederacy down to a city state model but that's not how it went so no nope. <laughs> that is nope. what we say is history so yeah yeah but i, I hopefully uh, you know and i'm not I, I don't plan on i don't think i'm going to convince you today by any means but I, I do think it is very important and it cannot be understated how necessary it is at the end of day you have an actual justification, not like the civil courts where, oh, well, the people voted on it. And so that's why it is the way it is, even though it makes no sense rationally. Um, you you need you. I, I personally believe you need that core that everybody can agree whether they agree on it or not. It doesn't matter. It just has to be right. <laughs> um, they can choose to act however they want in spite of it. You need that. The person who's going to follow it anyways is the one who needs it.
1: And and I like that idea of the, the foundation, you know, you, this is the foundation and what you build on top of it is completely up to you or not build, but yeah. this is the, this is the bottom line. This is where the, the rubber meets the road and all that good yeah. stuff. Um, I, and, and I, I, I love that. Um, and I think it would take, there, there's a challenge for people like me. I read maybe a dozen, two dozen books a year and I don't do any fiction, but the books that i read are not deep uh, it's not kant it is uh, the business books or lighter hearted philosophy or propaganda type books uh, or what i uh, books about propaganda that's what i read and so for the the less intellectual person like me there are some questions that it's tough to answer them. Kind of like if I asked a one of the crypto people, "How does Bitcoin work?" and they give a three hour answer, I have way less information in my head than if they gave a five minute answer. <laughs> that was everybody's rolling their eyes, like, "No, no, no that's not exactly right. Like, it's close enough." Um, and so I, I think that I and many people like me, um, it, it would be nice if we understood what. Why is that foundation, whether it was Kant or somebody else that, that first wrote it down, why is that the one and only true religion or ethic <laughs> or whatever? Because I grew up in very religious areas and, and I just
0: yeah.
1: hate that. And, and so like, I love the idea of that being the foundation. Um, but, and I would love to see something without reading 18 books that are 1800 pages long each um, as to like a good summary of why that is in fact, the one and only true truth.
0: Well, okay. So let me, um, I'm, I'm going to not answer that question for a second. And I want to pivot to another place. All right. What do you want the not accurate explanation for just to make you feel better? I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I don't want to come off as condescending. I'm sorry. I feel like no, I no. almost did that. No, there. but like, do you want it to feel better? Because it's close. And so you're like, okay, well, this is pretty much it. Or does it do, you, I mean, It's to me, it almost seems like what's the point in just, you know, accepting it off of the, Hey man, I've got this philosophy. It's pretty cool. You don't take things from people. And if all that checks your boxes, you know, you might as well go for it. Right. Or you can, and I agree, you know, you don't have to read Kant to understand voluntary philosophy. There are lots of great authors out there who have more condensed works. Don't ask me to name one off the top of my head. Pretty much anything by Larkin Rose is a good way to go. Uh, (laughs) But I, I, I have to I have to ask, like, what is the what is the purpose other than solely for the sake of accessibility? And would the person who just wants it more accessible care if if you gave them a one paragraph explanation versus a five page or a 50 page? Even if they read it all, would it mean anything different to them? Right.
1: I think if it was it, I think your your latest uh The last three minutes, Mm -hmm. I understand better just from that. So, yeah, I I don't know that. I I think what it comes down to is exactly what you're saying. I'm admitting you're right here. It is a preference. And my preference is, yeah, but when somebody flips my wife off, right, uh, their finger is one inch from her face and they're calling her all kinds of nasty things, I want to live in a world where I can punch that person. And if I do that to somebody else, they can punch me. Well, the person next door right now is probably thinking, I just want to live in a world where if I'm a particular gender or race, I should have everything handed to me. I mean, that's just kind of basic, isn't it? And so they have a preference and I have a preference. And I completely admit there does need to be that that thing that we can both say, okay, we can have our different preferences. But when it really comes down to it, what will we and won't we do to each other? Or what will the, everybody in the community agree to?
0: Well, yeah, and we're so we, we are all state of nature beings that have elevated ourselves out of the state of nature. That's what we are, right? At any moment, like you said earlier, you have the physical capacity to harm another human being at any moment if you wish to. You can just find the first person or go damage their property. There's nothing physically about the world that is stopping you from doing so other than your internal conception that that is not what you should be doing. It may be even advantageous for you to do so. Like, let's say you wanted less property taxes or whatever, so you trashed the entire neighborhood so your, your property taxes went down for next year, right? That's a way where you could benefit from doing that. Obviously, you shouldn't do that, right? But we all have the capacity to, to do, as some would say, to do evil, right? I, I don't really like to use the word evil because I feel like it's just a loaded word. But to to aggress against someone, we, we can all do mm-hmm. that. Um, we are the only thing that makes us special is that we have the ability to choose otherwise. That is it. That is the only thing. And if somebody doesn't want to choose otherwise, they are more than within the any sort of conception of rights to do so. But that means I don't have to afford them anything else either. So it's another really unpopular kind of like truth hurts moment for voluntarism If someone, um, let's say, let's say someone moves into or tries to move into a community or you move next to someone who's, you know, and buy a a piece of land and build a house and they say, oh, well, you can't live here because I say so. And it's like, well, you know, non-aggression principle says this is my property so I can do whatever they want. And they pull out their shotgun and they shoot you. There's nothing in voluntarism that stops them from doing so. All that voluntarism says is that now you can do so back. (laughs) That's it. That's it. You shouldn't, right? Because, because then the reciprocity of rights is over. Not because the federal government will come down and smite you. Not because the Constitution will fly out and deflect the bullets back at you. Not because of anything like that. Because at that point on, you can be shot as well. It doesn't make any claim about your capacity. Can, I, can you do this thing? You can always do that thing. Should you? Well, are you willing to accept the consequences? It doesn't even say No. It says, Are you willing to accept the consequences? That's that's another crazy thing about this philosophy that not really anything else does, right? If, if, in like, again, utilitarianism, we'll look at it that way uh, maximize pleasure, minimize pain. Well, what if I want to maximize pain, minimize pleasure? You shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't. It's bad. shouldn't do that. It's like, oh, okay, well, what if I want to do it anyways? No, you can't do that. They, they always try to come up with these ways where it's like antithetical to being a human, where voluntarism accepts the fact that humans can and will do wrong things. All it says is how, how do you not get shot by your neighbor walking down the street for no reason? Uh, as long as you're both operating on the same playing field,
1: that's it. That is, uh, that is one way of looking at voluntarism. Um I've heard a lot of people give a lot of definitions of it. Like, well, I'm basically a voluntarist, except I vote because you kind of have to, because you have to have some government. It's like, wait a minute, you're not a voluntarist. All that, I mean, you break the word down, you look at the foundations of it. Um, it kind of is what it is and building anything else out of it, um, that, that's taking it beyond what it is, is everything you do, um, uh, even the non-aggression principle, like, as a voluntarist, I say that's part of it. But really, let's look at the word. No, I, I completely agree. You know, I'm not I'm not really a big fan of
0: voluntarism. I don't really like any of these names, honestly. Like, I kind of feel like, I almost feel like this subsection of libertarian voluntarism needs another name. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Because if you look at the foundations of voluntarism, like the, the original oh, Lord Herbert something... Something. Spencer. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, I I read through some of his works really early on, and um, I disagree with an overwhelming majority of the things that that man (laughs) says other than government sucks. I'm like, okay, that's cool. We can agree on that. But um, I am not his voluntarism. I don't think I'm the voluntarism that was revived in the eighties or the nineties, or even what a lot of people would call voluntarism today, but it's all based off of the same core principles, which is what I think is, the only thing that connects me, like I still occasionally will call myself a libertarian when I'm trying to explain myself, but and an anarchist doesn't really do it either. Cause that word's lost all of its meaning. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, uh... I don't know what I am. I'm a philosopher. No, I think guy. we should
1: develop our <laughs> uh, we should create words that nobody else will want and maybe include some symbols in them. So <laughs> GLM7713 exclamation point 4 is my philosophy because I do think that a lot of them are hijacked and, and bastardized and and it, it's uh, we have a right to do that. I asked Carl Wattner who was kind of the the latest greatest uh, he's he's the guy who made it famous today. Um, I said to him, what is voluntarism? And he said, Oh, he says, I, I can tell you what I think it is, but I have no right to tell you what it Your what you think it is to you is just fine. I'll tell you what I think it is. And here you go. Um, well, that's a good perspective.
0: That's super fair. You know, in high, in, in now that you've posed that question to me, I realized that, uh, I, I, I and, and most of the time I usually say something like my flavor of voluntarism because I recognize that there are so many people who disagree vehement, vehemently. A with lot. What I have said. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what is up with my words today. Um, <laughs> vehemently with what I say and what I believe, but I don't think we're as far off as people. I think I just say yeah. the hard truths that, people or, or maybe it's just the edgy perspectives i don't know whatever you want to look at it as i don't think like the non-aggression principle is not incompatible with what i you know said earlier about the whole like it doesn't right. make any claim about what you can and can't or should and shouldn't do really it's just how do you make sure that you and your neighbor don't shoot each other it's just another perspective of looking at the same thing but i think it's a more accurate perspective is it a more palatable perspective mm, no yeah, no No, no, you don't even have to sugarcoat it. I'll be completely honest. It's super off-putting to a lot of people, but the truth kind of hurts sometimes. And there are the people who need to hear like, oh, wow. Like that, that's what this is. Like I, you know, I didn't, it it didn't make any sense. It all kind of seemed too detached. That was my issue for a long time. It was like, man, like this stuff seems really close, but it's like, there's some fluff kind of hidden in, in, in the mist here. And then when you peel the fluff back and you're just, Boiler, like give me the bullet points, you know, <laughs> I mean, right. Like make statements, you know, and, and build off of those or whatever, you know, I don't need any analogies or anything like that. Just and that's that's pretty much where you end up. Um, So I think it is, you know, unconventional, but that's why there's so many of us as well. Like you have your way of approaching people. I have my way of approaching people. Patrick Smith has his Larkin Rose has his all of these different people have their own way of reaching people. And, uh, you know, that's why we probably all have slightly different audiences.
1: (laughs) And I think that most of us probably, maybe we don't use the same words to describe things. And maybe some of us have deeper understandings than others, but when it comes down to it, where the stuff that really matters in the real world, I think we're all so darn close. So darn close. Yeah. We,
0: me and you and and all the people i all mentioned if we all lived in the community we would never have to worry about anybody aggressing against anyone ever it wouldn't happen because we're all decent people so yeah um, yeah that's the most important thing i will 100 percent agree with that as much as i love to get into the weeds and be like ah i think you're 0.01 wrong on this uh at the end of the day if you're 99.99 percent of the way there I'm not. I won't push you any further. If you want to go further, yep. I'm more than willing. You know, I'm the kind of person who yes. will have that debate. But yes, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the way there is close enough for me. Yep. Just don't aggress against anybody, please, because I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to deal with that. So.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, and, it, and it's a as you said earlier, it's a personal choice, and there are consequences. Yeah. Um. You you can take two pounds of meth and a pistol into an airport once yeah. <laughs> there's a consequence there's a consequence yeah. to that and whether there should or shouldn't be there's a consequence and you get to do certain you get to do whatever you want and there will be a consequence and i think that's kind of what our philosophy is trying to 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 explain or get deep deep into is what are the systems around if somebody does something bad how how ought society to view that and what ought and when I say society, I mean a collection of individuals, not a a soup of individuals, but a salad of individuals. Uh, what ought it be acceptable to do?
0: Ethics is all about finding ways to deal with conflict between people. If there was no conflict between people, there would be no need for ethics. We would all get along. Everybody would share and be hunky dory and throw parties. There would be no violence, you know, it'd be a a utopia, right? But it isn't. And that's like you were saying, um, that's, that's where we have to get into the nitty gritty. And, and it's not for everybody, right? Like there are so many people who live under systems that were created by people that they will never understand or know, or know the faces of or anything. And if you are living your life right now, 99% chance you'll have no issues living in a voluntary society none at all maybe you might want to carry if you don't that's basically it you know? <laughs> i think you should anyways if you're if you're not well maybe i shouldn't say that if you're a responsible adult you probably should if you're not don't please, <laughs> please. <Yeah. laughs> but that's probably the best way of putting it um so Damn. i i 100 agree like there there is a line where it becomes almost being nitpicky but um But it's fun. fun. And I think I think (laughs)
1: you, you we have both just we happen to have selected that as a I don't know if the hobby is the right word, but it's an area of interest. Um, But one of my friend's dad, his area of interest when he retired, he was an accountant. His area of interest is dealing with noxious weeds and learning about the chemicals behind it. And to him, that's an interesting and exciting hobby. (laughs) For me, it's philosophy, but we each have our thing. And if somebody else likes to watch sports ball and and such, then
0: great. Are you a sports ball watcher?
1: I am not. However, you know what I've... Here's what I've learned. Okay, here's a pro tip. When you're hanging out with your pals and they're talking football, here's what you say. (sighs) The quarterback with that level of experience, you never know what's gonna happen. And it works in every scenario for every team, anytime. And they just look at you and go, yeah, yeah, that's true. And then they'll start naming all these people. So that's how I've learned to be a chameleon and fit in.
0: (laughs) It's such a non-committal statement. It could be experienced or rookie or. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's good. Yeah. Well, the way Bledsoe has been doing it. I'll tell you what, boy. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So I feel like I've, I've officially beat the dead horse into non-existence it's a it's a it's a horse puddle at this point so i know you have one more thing that you wanted to go over and this is kind of picking a, it kind of leads into something we've already talked about before that i think would be great if we could talk about today so if you have the time
1: i would love absolutely to all right absolutely awesome. this is the loan yes so and just kind of as a little bit a uh, bit of a backstory um I was uh, on disenthrall.me. I was on on that show and so was Christian. And we had a uh, kind of like we're doing today, just kind of a back and forth. And we we have an area of, I don't even know if I want to call it disagreement. I think my position was, I assume I'm wrong because you guys are really smart, but I just don't get it. And I've been trying to figure it out for a month or at least several weeks since then. And I'm still, I'm actually getting further away um, than I was before. Our argument was, when I say argument, I mean a fun intellectual one. (laughs) Our argument was uh, essentially, can you steal Bitcoin? And as I understand the argument, um, Bitcoin is just a series of ones and zeros, and they're not scarce. Therefore, Bitcoin is not property. And if something isn't property, then you can't steal it. And... We agreed that if somebody has a set of keys, hanging, and we're talking about the old-fashioned door keys, hanging from their belt as they're walking along, they're, they're, they're kind of rocking the whole janitor look, and you have a nice uh, high magnification camera, and you snap a picture of the key, and you now have the recipe to that key, and you could go make your own key to fit into their house door. I think we all agreed that you have every right to go out and make a key like that. That's Intellectual property and most libertarians believe that intellectual property can't doesn't exist consistent ones. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, I just
0: had to throw that
1: out there. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I'm kind of presupposing, of course, people agree with us are libertarians. Oh, you're talking about those other people. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're allowed to have the intellectual property of how to make the key, but you can't take the key and go into their house. Yes. And in modern times now, we're dealing with different kinds of keys and we're dealing with different uh, different technology. So here was my scenario. Christian loans me a 100 bucks. And I give him a piece of paper that says, I owe you $100. And by the way, this note that I'm handing you, it's transferable. I think that Christian can if he doesn't want to have the bother of collecting from me because I'm a deadbeat, he can take (laughs) that note and he can sell it to some third party. We'll call him Lysander. He can sell this note to Lysander and we'll say Lysander says, yeah, it's going to be a headache, but I'll give you 90 bucks for that note. And then I think that Lysander can now bring that note and say, "Shepard, I need your hundred bucks. I believe that's absolutely morally ethically good. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, that's entirely within consistency of, of contract, well, contract theory. I won't say contract law. <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea that we agreed this is this piece of paper represents an agreement between the two of us. And you said it's transferable, so it's transferable. So no problem. Okay.
1: So now let's say that that, that, that same I, well, not the same IOU. Instead of an IOU, Christian gave me the money. And instead of me writing it on a piece of paper, I sent a series of ones and zeros in the form of an email saying the same thing. Um, I owe you a hundred bucks. Whoever shows me this email, um, you know, and proves that it's them. Uh, that person gets a hundred bucks. And I think that that is just as valid um, as a, a physical piece of paper and I don't know if you disagree yet or if it's the next one.
0: Um, no, it's completely fine. Just like a verbal contract. There, there's no piece of paper in a verbal contract. It exists as a concept, an agreement between two people. If the email says, um, you know, you, I will pay you back $100. This is transferable. And it's in, you've both consented to this. Then there's, there's nothing else. It doesn't need to be um, property,
1: right? Okay. So... Now, the, the twist that we're putting into this scenario is what if this loan wasn't uh, cold, hard cash? It wasn't gold or silver or Federal Reserve notes, but instead it was a, a digital loan. It was uh, the, the money was sent via PayPal or cryptocurrency or something like that. But it wasn't a, a tangible, physical thing that can get wet. Is that... Do, do I still owe $100 to the bearer of that digital note?
0: Well, so the real question is, um, do you, are you, is the note for the value? Do you, okay, so when you're making this, saying you can you can have $100, do you want the value of $100 or do you want $101 bills or 10 tens, right? Because then we have to get really specific on if it's property. Now, if you say, I want a currency with the valuation of $100. It doesn't matter if it's if it's PayPal or if it's hand money because they all have the same value. They, they all have the same, you know, there's a standardized value there. $100 is $100 is $100, right? It doesn't matter if it's if it's digital or if it's physical. Now, is it property? I think that's an entirely different question. But you can transfer value holders. There's nothing saying you can't do that as long as you both agree to it.
1: I I agree completely. So where is our where would our point of difference be? So, I mean, where does the crypto come in that that's a different thing if we agree that it's a thing of value or. Well, you didn't agree to that.
0: No, I I, I, 100 percent. That is exactly what crypto is. Crypto is a value exchange, just like digital money is a value exchange. PayPal is a value exchange. There is no bills that I'm putting into my computer that get digitized and spit out the other side of the computer. You know, it is entirely a I have put in work and I have been given this value number that I will now send to other people who want my value numbers. Right. That's that's all. That's all I'm doing, um, and that's completely fine. There's nothing unethical with doing that. There's nothing unethical with a value based system. Uh, it's completely within any anybody's right to do or participate in one. Um, Cryptocurrency, the the biggest so the biggest distinction between a dollar bill and cryptocurrency is let's say let's say um, okay you have a a, a wallet I'm trying to make this as simple as possible um, just for the sake of clarity of argument right let's say you have a wallet right it's a physical wallet let's say even that like it's it's a barcode that you scan and it opens up your wallet. And it only exists on your barcode, and you have to make changes to your barcode if you want to make changes to your Bitcoin balance. So whenever you get a trade of, of, of Bitcoin, you have to scribble a new barcode that gives you the link, right? And you have a dollar bill, right? What is the difference between that barcode and the dollar bill? Because the barcode represents all of the value that's in that wallet, right? Can we agree to that? Yes. Okay, so the let's say – and they're both worth a, a one US dollar. Right. That's the value of those two things. They're both worth one U S dollar. Right. Now, if I take that $1 away from you, right, it's gone forever. Right. Let's say I run, I run, I go to Mars. You never see me again. You'll never get that dollar back. Right. If I, if you have your barcode memorized and I erase your barcode that is valued at $1, cause you could sell that barcode if you wanted to, for the $1 that's in there, what have you
1: lost? the $1 that I would have gotten from it that I would have used that key to get. You've lost a barcode that has a
0: value of that. Yes. Now the value judgment is the part that hurts, right? If something is not valuable, it doesn't matter if it gets stolen, right? We, if, if someone steals something from you, that's a penny, then uh, you're probably going to care a lot less than if they steal your car. Right. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. though they're both property in this case. Right. So I will make the argument that property must be scarce. Otherwise, there's no reason to have property rights to begin with. Because if if there is no scarcity to the property, there is no incentive to protect the property. There's no reason to. Because if you can just recreate it, right? Like the secret. Remember the secret thing that we talked about? I'm going to come back to that. If if you know the trade secret to Coca-Cola, it's worth... Oh God, so much money. I don't even want to know how much money that would be if like, you were the sole person who knew it, right? And only you could put it in every time the machines had to be reset. And uh, you were talking in your sleep, and you said the formula one night, right? And that idea went to somebody else. Your idea, which is completely the same idea, it's an arrangement of property. Your brain is your property. The electrons and neurons inside of it that are, are being manipulated by all sorts of chemicals and hormones – is an arrangement of the property that is your brain. And it, the, your computer hard drive works in, in not a, the exact same way, but in a very similar way, where it is, it is a bunch of electrons and on off positions that represent data. And especially like a normal solid state drive, not to get too technical, but it's, this arrangement of property has no attributes that require it to be protected under property rights. And why that's important is because if you are to make those patterns into property in themselves, outside of the hard drive. So if I smashed my hard drive on the ground and burnt it and all of the, the patterns that represented the data on it or took my brain out and smashed it and all that those patterns that went away, went away forever, right? They were gone from, from the entire world. We could then say if they appeared somewhere else that those are still mine because I was the one who came up with the patterns if somebody else did it. Because it's my property, it's my pattern. So, like, let's say I'm just smashing zero and one on my keyboard, right? And then, boom, Shepherd's wallet comes up on my screen, <laughs> right? Right? At, at what point did I steal from you, or did I just get so lucky that I I got the pattern and I got the access to your wallet? And it's like, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe I got Shepherd's wallet from smashing zero and one. Uh, it's a really ab- abstract concept to explain. Uh, If you can replace it, if it is replicable, infinitely replicable, it isn't scarce and there's no reason to protect it. A value claim is, is an entirely subjective emotional. Don't get me wrong. If someone took my crypto, I'd be very sad. I'd be very, very sad about it. I don't want people taking my crypto. But I can't, in good logical faith, say that it's property because it has no scarcity and there's no necessity for anything without scarcity to be property. I'd argue I, that
1: it is scarce.
0: Okay, sure. We could. I, I'd like to start with that because I feel like that's probably where we have the biggest disagreement. So I, I would please explain why you believe it is scarce.
1: Because, and this is very simplistic, but if I take my Bitcoin wallet with $1 worth of <laughs> Bitcoin in it, I can take that down to the $1 soda vendor and I can get one soda for it. It is a, it is money. It is a medium of exchange, whether it's a tangible physical thing or not, that is only one. I can't take it down and get a soda and then go to the next place and get a soda and the next place and get a soda. I can only buy $1 worth of soda. So it's a very scarce thing. There's only $1 worth of value in there.
0: Okay, so maybe maybe uh, this is maybe this will help clarify some. Scarcity is a claim to the maximum potential of something, right? Like if we melted down all of the aluminum on planet Earth, how many bikes could we make? Could we make an infinite number of bikes if we melted down all the aluminum? No, then it's a scarce resource, right? If it, comparatively, if we had, you know, all, you know. A hard drive with infinite capacity—you could replicate that digit, that series of digits for forever, until there was the sun turned black and everything went cold, and there was nothing to run the computer with anymore. Right? Um, it does. It, you would have to create a physical object for that to be the case. For bikes, right? You would have to make an infinite source of aluminum that just exists forever. Or an even better example is you can make two copies and delete one. For forever. There's only like one copy ever in existing and you just copy that one and delete the other one and copy and delete and copy and delete. Those are all unique instances of the one thing. They're perfect. They're exact copies. And you can make as many of those as you want for forever. You can't do that with bikes. You can't melt down the slag. There's, there's losses. Some of it evaporates into the air. Right. And at the end of the day, there's a limit on how many times you could do that. If you had a hard drive that was big enough, you could take infinity, copies of this bitcoin wallet copy it make another infinity of them and then delete the other infinity and just copy that back over and you know i get that we're talking about numbers at this point that are just like so massive to think about it's almost like what what does it mean to copy an infinity of something right but uh there's not there's no law of the universe that says you couldn't do so if you had a processor fast enough right
1: yeah i'll trust your technical ability on that
0: and, that, and that's the fundamental distinction. There can only ever be so many bikes,
1: right? But the ones and zeros aren't of any value to me. You can go write all the emails you want to your friends with those ones and zeros. But the thing that I have, that thing that I I and the world agrees, yep, that $1 worth of Bitcoin, that belongs to Shepard. Um, that thing is scarce. There's only one code that will get me a soda. Well...
0: That well, that's not necessarily true. There are lots of codes that could get you a soda. You just don't know them. There's there's my wallet. There's there's all sorts of other people's wallets that could get you that that soda, but it may not be the one that says Shepherd at the bottom of it or something like that.
1: Um, if cop if copy machines didn't have that cool technology, they have that you you can't copy on them. Have you tried that by the way? No, I've never tried that. Unbelievable! Put a twenty on your copier and try to print it, and it won't print. It reads what it is that you're printing, and it cuts it <laughs> in half. Um, so, if that wasn't the case, if I had an old-fashioned printer and I could print all the, I could print uh, currency, would that, wouldn't that kind of be the argument? Oh well, no, I can print almost infinity if I get enough ink and paper of dollar bills. Um, wouldn't that argument? fall down there well the keyword is the almost you can print almost infinity with a
0: pattern that that is infinity you could make a pattern infinitely there is no no input of resources required to make a pattern
1: if and
0: i know i i did this the last time but maybe it'll make more sense now like um strumming a guitar right if i dan and that's my guitar strum and it's mine now i came up with it any of you who use it i'm gonna sue you now right It's my my guitar strum pattern, and uh, I can do that without any input of additional resources for forever. I could save the MP3 of it. I can make a billion of them, right, those kinds of things. Now, if I made a CD with it on it, I can only ever make so many CDs. There are only so many CDs in existence. If I live for forever, I could strum on that guitar until the guitar disintegrates onto my hand with and then all I would need is another guitar, but that's property arranged thats an arrangement of pattern on property. So, you know, I could air strum it. It'd be the exact same thing. It means the exact same thing. I could air strum it for forever if I was immortal. <laughs> um, so printing your infinite dollars, right? You're practically infinite. So close to infinite. Right? like if we had infinity minus one pieces of paper, it still would be scarce. It would just be so unbelievably inconsequentially scarce that it would be valueless right it would be like dirt which actually can be really expensive depending on where you get it but <laughs> i don't know if you've ever surfaced the lawn or anything
1: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm still i'm disagreeing even more strongly now the more i think about it um yeah th- th- i don't think so, that i don't think that works i i'm struggling to come up with a way to
0: say like I know so I understand that you don't like the conclusion that it comes to and you think that that should be your dollar, right? But for the same reasons that intellectual property can't be property, or the same reasons that anything digital, anything digital, can't be property, this, this podcast, this, this episode that we're doing right now, the second it becomes you know its own file or even right now, is not my property. It's just a, it's just a state on my computer. It has value as well just because it's called a currency and it has a significantly more value than this episode will doesn't make it any more my property just because like the same thing goes. And I know this is super controversial too. by that same logic. U.S. dollars stored in a bank are not property. They're not. They're a value. There's it's just value points. It's like a video game. Like you got a high score. It it, it is the same level of property as a high score in Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) And uh, whichever number is bigger, you know, that depends on, on your work or whatever. Um, and I'm not advocating for value theft. I just think it's really important to, to understand the distinction. I'd, maybe I'd agree to live in a place that says, hey, you can't take people's Bitcoin. Well, it sounds pretty good to me. You know, I don't want people taking my Bitcoin. I don't want to take anybody else's Bitcoin. But the ethics, the actual justification, the, the logic behind it. Um, I, I do want to say while we're on this topic, A lot of people say there can only ever be so many Bitcoin because it won't work on the blockchain if you make like duplicates, right? So if I copied your wallet, it would be essentially worthless, right? But again, that's a value claim, not a claim to the status of property. It just means that the blockchain won't accept it. So it's not worth a dollar if I copy your bit or even if I let's say I take it and I tweak the numbers, right? I get really close and I transfer it over and I tweak some numbers to make it my own unique Bitcoin. Well, it hasn't been. It hasn't been identified by the blockchain, so it's valueless. It is is worthless, you know, essentially. Um, but that doesn't change whether or not it's property. Um, I, I don't. I don't. Again, I don't know if I'm going to convince you on this.
1: I was hoping maybe, I want to but... be. I all I care about is the truth. Like I want to be convinced. I just need an argument that is uh, that 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 gets me there. Um, and, and I'm trying to think of analogies that, uh, yeah. And when I, you know, I, I thought about the idea of a, the radio station is having a giveaway and somebody calls and, and sure enough, they're the third caller and the radio station says, okay, you win. Just when you come to the front desk, tell Lucy that uh, your code is three, four, seven. Well, three, four, seven is just an idea. You, you can't own those numbers individually or in that order. However, if somebody was eavesdropping and heard those numbers and they took those numbers down to the radio station and they said, Hey, I'm here to get my winnings numbers three, four, seven. That is, in my opinion, that's, that's theft. Now those numbers aren't property, but it's error maybe not theft, uh, theft it's fraud. And so it, and fraud is a form of theft uh, as far as I can understand or tell. There's a verbal contract there though oh congratulations you won you get
0: this amount of money here's you know like here you know here's the code or whatever that's what the blockchain says well the blockchain but what is the blockchain can you make a contract with the blockchain it's not a it's not a being you know i mean when you when you make a contract with somebody like you and i can make a contract right now like hey um, paypal me five dollars for a, a funny picture of, of you know <laughs> or whatever and that's a, you know we can make a verbal contract like that right but like if i go up to the bitcoin blockchain and i'm like hey uh, i'd like um i don't know uh, to get, get you to sign my mug for five dollars like it, it can't like consent to a contract uh it, it is programmed to con- compute math like that's all it does that is the blockchain Right. It's not a sentient being by which it can consent to contracts. Um, I will admit that it's pretty scarily close. And maybe one day there will be an AI that can validate contracts of exchange ethically. That is definitely a possibility if it gets smart enough, which is a scary thing to think about. <laughs> but the blockchain isn't isn't sentient. There's no contract there. Now, you could say if, if, if we wanted to exchange Bitcoin you have to do sorry i bumped my mic you have to do so through the blockchain right but that's a contract between us and so if i don't come up on my end of the deal you know that, that's not the blockchain by any means the blockchain just makes sure that you followed the rules of the blockchain that's it
1: right and so if you use the blockchain you're agreeing to those to those rules yeah. and so that is the contract then that you a user who i've never met and who i don't know who you are but by virtue of you saying I'm using this this system that has this set of rules that Satoshi or whoever came up with um, this, these are the rules of the game and that dollar is 100% years Shepard, and everybody agrees.
0: Well I don't know if it's the same as a contract though I think like um, that's like saying like gravity's a contract with reality like it's just the way it's the way it is you know it was designed this way there's no negotiating right there's no there's no way it could be anything else. Like if it's going to be on the blockchain, it has to follow the rules of the blockchain because it's the blockchain. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The Apple will fall because gravity makes it because gravity is a force of nature. You know, it just is the way it is. Uh, It's not like gravity convinces, you know, Hey, Apple, you got to fall now, you know, (laughs) there's no engagement between these two entities or anything. Um, But I could see how it would definitely look like that. But I, I don't think that's a, that qualifies as a contract. That's just
1: the rules of a system. Um, okay. So, so in the rules of the system, just as the rules of the radio station system, um, the rules are we have one winner. It's a third caller. And that third caller was given a uh, a, a token or a number, a, a secret number of 347. I can't believe I remembered that. Uh, given the <laughs> secret token of 347. Um, To come down and give it. And so the the rules, the understood rules, and I want to be careful here. And I'm not saying, I don't want to say the radio station's social contract or Bitcoin's a social contract, uh, (laughs) because I don't believe in those. But the understood rules of that system are that even if they're not all written out clearly, one person wins, third caller is the winner. This is your thing that shows that you are that person. And in essence, I know it's not a human being, but in, in essence, Bitcoin says, "We all agree, Shepherd, you have one dollar. a bunch of people confirmed it. You have one dollars worth of value in there, maybe not property, but you have one dollar worth of value in there. And that's that's mine. It's scarce. You can it's, only get that once.
0: It's your accounts, right? Like it's your keys that that, that validate mm-hmm. it. Those keys are the validation. Whoever holds the keys is the valid holder of that value,
1: right? And so if uh, they're the, the physical, they're the possessor of the value. Yes. They maybe aren't the rightful owner. Well, if you sneak oh, okay. down to the radio station, you, you possess the prize, but you don't really own it. It still belongs to the winner.
0: Yes, I think. But the, again, I think there's there's a bit of a difference here, because when the blockchain is looking at who we're going to transfer this to, it says, oh, we're going to the account with this address with these keys. Right. Or, you know, you have your like your p- private and public keys and everything like that. And it's a really complicated system, but it, it looks at those keys and it says, OK, I'm going to go where those keys are. And if those keys are somewhere else, it, just, it doesn't it doesn't care if you hold the keys or I hold the keys. The system's indifferent. It just goes where it was told to. Um, now, I could see an argument where you could say like, oh, well, those keys are like a personal identifier for me. They are analogous to me. But I think that's the same as your house keys. And I can make a copy of your house keys. Um, I can't go inside of your house, but I could go into a perfect recreation of your house. If I made your house exactly the same down the street and and with the same lock, I could go inside of that house if it was mine, you know? Um, And if it, you know, see, the issue becomes is that we're talking about systems that are, are connected here, right? So like, but if your furniture existed in like- I'm going off the rails here, but like in a quantum superposition between both this copy house and the other house, um, who owns the property? I I don't know. I mean, maybe we're losing uh, sight of the forest and all the trees, Uh, or maybe I am Um, because I'm not going to steal your Bitcoin. But could you shoot someone for taking your Bitcoin? That's the answer that I want to know. And I don't know if you can.
1: I think that you you can, I don't know that I would just over a theft, but yeah, I think that that's kind of, and, and I don't know where the line is though, because if I think about your business, uh, you own Ford Motor Company, and I'm able to randomly guess your password to get into Twitter, and I say something horribly offensive, uh, pretending to be you, or basically say, you know, here at Ford, we blah, blah, blah. And it causes stock to go down. Nobody buys cars. So you say something ridiculous, like white people shouldn't feel guilty or something like something crazy like that. Um, I I don't know that it's a shootable offense. That's not a physical thing that somebody did. Uh, But it would it would seem that maybe a, a good ethical system would have safeguards for that or is that just another preference could another person say a good ethical system would have safeguards to make sure i get ice cream i'm not
0: gonna lie it kind of sounds know. like a curse of the wants um so let's uh, similar example but i i think i think i mean this is I i haven't really thought too much about expanding this outwards into other directions but maybe that could be helpful for anybody listening but if you took okay so let's say your neighbor has a house you have a house and your neighbor decides to put up a a cross and burn it and, and write a bunch of racial slurs and pejoratives all over his home, and it causes your property values to go down. Can you do something about that? My answer is no, because value is a subjective term that exists between two people. And you can be really salty that your property values went down because you have a horrible bigoted neighbor, but that's not justification for you to go and, you know, tear down his property or something like that. Um, you know, you could get really sneaky and try to get into the weeds and be like, oh, the smoke from the cross is f- causing illness to my health. You know, you could try all those different yeah. things, but just strictly from let's look at it from the perspective of like property value. Or inflation, you know, I, this is a good example, too. This is almost analogous. If if you and if me and you agree that um, this is this thing is worth a dollar and then I make a billion copies of it. You know, what have I done to your property? Nothing. You still have it. You can, you could trade it for me for a dollar if you want, but uh, I think that thing's worth like at least a thousand of mine now. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I, I, it's difficult to say. It's not like we are the holders of the value. Um, We just hold the property. We don't hold the value. The value is, is in the it's it's up there somewhere. It's in the human experience, you know, with all those wants and dreams and desires. It's it's ephemeral, um, and and entirely subjective. And and in, because of that, I don't think you can base any ethical claims of, of action or inaction or or is this a violation of the non aggression principle off of it. Um, goes into the same camp as like thought crimes. At that point, you know, it's just feelings and all these other subjective things, (laughs) but value is what hurts. That's the, that's the hard part about it. Value is what hurts. Um, If your property is worthless, you don't care. If your property is worth a lot, you care all of a sudden they're both property, right? But it's the value that makes it hurt. Um, It's difficult. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, when I think about things of different value, uh, the thing that you and I would both agree is worth $1 value. The, the, the one soda pop is Mm -hmm. $1 worth of value. And if somebody came up and took that soda pop from me, the ethical system that you uh, adhere to that you have studied is that that person who has stolen the, the soda pop is now no longer they're outside of the realm of rights. They can yeah. be shot. They can be 20 years later. If I haven't forgiven them, I can hunt them down and torture them. I can waterboard them for months on end it's over ext- that soda pop.
0: It's extremely unfortunate, but yes, yes, <laughs> it's stayed. Whereas
1: been- if I have a hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin and somebody comes up and takes all of that value, nope. I can't so much as give him a noogie.
0: I can understand a hundred percent why you would want it to be that way, but I can't, in good, honest, intellectual faith, say that it is that way. Um, mm-hmm. is it that sucks. Perhaps... It really sucks. For the same reason that it sucks that you can torture someone twenty years later for stealing your grape soda. It sucks that someone could take your keys and, and copy or steal or replace or erase or whatever your Bitcoin. They suck. That sucks. It really does. I wish it wasn't that way. Maybe, maybe that's like a little concession. Like I I wish Bitcoin was property. It took me a long time for me to accept that Bitcoin wasn't property.
1: Yeah. I don't think we're looking for emotions though. Like I don't think either of us want the other to, we're we're (laughs) looking for what's a, what's a, a good system that works for humanity and I would argue that that system isn't a very good one. And if that is, if you don't get to pick systems, if if there is kind of like religion, there is only one and, uh, one, one and only true religion, uh, as the, the theists would say, or as many of them would say, uh, then is that a thing? Well, it's not even my opinion. It's just, it's how it is. I've heard a lot of people say that about politics or religion or, or whatever. So I guess that's what, and maybe it's just because I'm guessing it's because I haven't studied enough. I haven't read enough um, to be able to understand or to, and I know that sounds condescending toward myself, but to be able to understand the one and only true ethical system.
0: I, I think it's, I mean, it's not like this is an intuitive thing either, right? Like we've been, especially if you've grown up in the era of technology, like Like me. Right. Like there was a very small period of my time up until like junior high when there wasn't an iPhone, you know, and forget kids who were born like in the last five years. Like all they've ever known is the smart, connected world. Right. And, you know, for them, like it's basically indistinguishable from from real property. And I think, again, in like the pragmatic sense, I think I think crypto's great. I love crypto. I own lots of it. But I'm super, super serious about my wallet safety because for, and, and I'll be honest, I've never had someone um, I've never you know I've, I've talked about crypto and, and why I believe it isn't property before, but usually after the explanation that like, okay, well, these things are patterns and they can be infinitely, infinitely replicated, the, then usually that's that's satisfactory. So I've never really had to go beyond that because that is the primary justification is that property is property because it is scarce. And not pseudo-scarce as in it doesn't exist in infinite yet. It's that it, it cannot. There is no, there, there is a finite capacity. There can only ever be so many f- fake wood mugs,
1: you know? But and that's if, where we disagree is is on the thing. Scarcity. Yeah, yeah. Which we is, do is uh, interesting. See, I, I think the number, you can come up with a bar, bar graph or barcode or whatever it is. You can make a, a, a billion of those but there's only one prize at the radio station. And if you use that, which you're welcome to make it, you're welcome to have my keys, but you're not welcome to use them to take that thing that the system and I agree is something, a thing that I can go buy a soda with. So Um, is the prize at the radio station cash or is it a PayPal deposit? Because- That'd be a fun point of distinction. Because if it was because cash,
0: if, you know, you could say like, okay, well, this person now has physical property that the contract says they weren't supposed to have. And again, there's the whole. Con- let's just skip the contract thing. Let's say, you know, that it, 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 it. Yeah, let's just start there. I mean, that could be an interesting point. I haven't gone through it yet, but is the so is there is there a distinction if you yeah, to collect the it, prize?
1: Yeah. Is And what if the prize was a dollar's worth of Bitcoin? Um, I mean, that would kind of bring it to a full circle. But if the prize was a what if the prize was the wolf whistle Uh, and and that collection of notes and timing, uh, that was the prize. Well, we would agree that that's intellectual property. Terrible. Yeah. And and it's not scarce. Anybody can go out and do that. Um, Anybody can use a wolf whistle to because obviously women like wolf whistles and it makes them attractive oh, yeah. to men so so anybody could use that to go out and acquire a date whereas if the uh, the the bitcoin the barcode only one person can acquire it uh, can use it to acquire one s- soda's worth of bitcoin um so i i think that the It's it's, since it's a token, and I don't want to use the word token because I think that has a technical meaning that I don't understand. So I'll stay away from that. Um, Yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I think I don't think
0: it's necessary to get super nitpicky on like the details of crypto. I know a lot of people like to you know push up their glasses and be like well actually there can only ever be 28 million bitcoins and blah 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 you know and it's like yes in the ecosystem that exists there yes there can only ever be mined 28 million or i think it's 28000000 i'm gonna get corrected now because i probably said the wrong number yeah
1: 21 26 24 so yeah
0: somewhere in there it's got a two in it Um, yeah (laughs) it's a lot more than i'll ever have and um I, I don't even... I don't, th- I don't think it's necessary to go that far. I, I really... Because...
1: Yeah, me you, either. You know,
0: like... I'm trying not to say the same thing over and over and over again. Um, okay, so let me make up a scenario that maybe detaches this a little bit. But let's say... Um, if I copied your wallet, right? But... Gave it a unique address and for some reason that worked, right? I changed one, one at the end, but everything else was the same, right? It had the same value, right? It was a perfect copy except for instead of your address ending in zero one, I put it to zero two, right? So I made a unique address for the same wallet is, and even though I've done nothing to earn it, I've exchanged it from nobody, but it's a complete, it's a perfect copy of yours. Have I, have I taken anything from you? Not unless
1: you take the Bitcoin out.
0: If I, but but if, if it leaves my wallet, it doesn't also leave your wallet. It's just a copy of it. Is that okay?
1: If Bitcoin can be created that way, my well, understanding it, it, is that it, it can't,
0: can't. It can't. But I'm just trying to get to the like. So they made these systems in in the ecosystem to mm-hmm. replicate scarcity, right? Like you can't make a copy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everybody would just make a billion copies of them, like governments do with money. You know. Um, <laughs> But if you could, right, like even in paper money, right? Like if, if I took your paper dollar and I copied it and made a, a, a perfect copy with my replicator that made two paper dollars now um, and I gave you your paper dollar back, has anyone lost anything,
1: right? If we skip inflation, then no. But does inflation matter? Because that's a value claim.
0: Your paper dollar is now worth half as much. What does that mean about your piece of property? Your piece of property is still there. It's still completely fine. It's the exact same it was before I made the exact copy of it. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I'm convinced that changes in value are analogous to changes in property or the state of the property or some kind of aggression against you. Um, I know we're kind of at like two different points of disagreement but n- neither of us can
1: bridge the gap. So I'm trying so hard. Oh, I um, have been trying so hard for the last, what, two, three weeks. Yeah. I've just been, yeah, I've been trying so hard. I, I don't know how to, because I find myself doing the same thing. I'm giving the same example. And I love that we're both, we're not tied to our ideas. We're like, hey, I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope there's a better idea out there than the one that I have. We're both open to that. But I just don't know what else either of us can say until we've had another week or two to stew on it and come up with our master plan.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you could come up with another argument, I'm all ears. Cause
1: yeah. Same I would here. Love,
0: I would love for my crypto to be property and me to be able to defend it like it's property. Cause I have too much, too much money in crypto for it to not be property. <laughs> but, um, uh, I don't know if that's dumb or, or what, but <laughs> that's the path I've chosen to take. But, um, oh man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I will go ahead. Concede isn't the right word, but, uh, I, I am sorry that I couldn't come up with better arguments. Um, cause you know, I, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I'm so close. Like I'm just right yeah, around me the too. Yeah, exactly. And I can't it's, come up with yeah. a thing that will make the yeah. convincing argument.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe there's somebody listening to this that is such a, I don't mean to like put somebody down, but if you've been listening to us talk about this nerdy stuff for this long, you're our people. But maybe you can uh, leave some comments and uh, help us work this out. And please don't regurgitate the same thing that we've each said a a bunch of times. But if you have a fresh new idea that can help us uh, get more clarity on this, I, I think we'd both love to just find truth.
0: Yeah like a unique perspective, I think that would be useful because I don't, I don't know how many more ways I can. Maybe (laughs) the only other thing I could think of that's a fun exercise that, but we won't be doing this today's chat. So don't, don't (laughs) even start getting, but is that I've done this before in the past. That's helped actually someone else come around, which it worked in my favor that time, but I don't know if it would this time or not, but is that you argue the other person's position as, as like earnestly as you can.
1: I don't want to be wrong. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, like, I would argue that, like, it is property and you would argue that right. it isn't. And then eventually yeah, one fun. of us would come up with, like, the logical, like, oh, crap. Like In order to be right in this argument, yeah. I have to prove myself wrong.
1: You know? Yeah. I love that. Let's do that sometime.
0: So we'll have, or we'll maybe we'll come going. up
1: with a good solution in the meantime. That'd yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I think, I mean, we've been going for, honestly, I didn't expect us to go this long, but that was... Some good conversation. Um, this is a
1: fun brain workout, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm forgive me anybody if, if I got a little lectury towards the middle there. I just like get really passionate <laughs> when I talk about like why ethics matters. So, um, I, I had to kind of catch myself a part of the way through there because I was like, I've talked for like ten minutes and Shepherd hasn't said anything. Oh, it's which, awesome! Uh... It's awesome! I love it.
1: I think we're all learning stuff here. That's a good thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well. Uh, do you have any closing words that you want to say to the people before we wrap up here?
1: No, let's all just keep thinking and let's keep talking to each other and, and let's be vigorous about it. And gosh, if we can all just do what Christian and I are doing now and hashing it out. And like if we can all just keep doing that, it'd be a pretty cool world. The world would be a much better place. No yeah. doubt.
0: No doubt yeah. about it. Um, I, I had tons of fun. Honestly, uh, I that was that was so great. We've been into all sorts of different directions, and I definitely got lots of, of fun out of that. And uh, I same so,
1: here, same here
0: for everybody in the chat. For anybody who missed the introductions, Shepherd the Voluntarius, make sure you guys go check them out on Shepherd Thinks on YouTube. Uh, Do you have, I'm sorry, I I should have looked this up early. but do you have any other like Odyssey accounts or anything like that? Yes.
1: So Uh, I would actually say anything that you see on YouTube, please copy and paste that uh, title into Odyssey.com. That's O-D-Y-S-E-E. And I would actually suggest you do that with all kinds of content. Anything that you find, you come across... Don't Google it, duck, duck, go it using the Brave browser. And when you want to watch a video on something, go into Odyssey. And for those of you listening that are business people, this thing just might work out. And it's a pretty open area. So if you want to dominate your space and go in and do 100 videos on how to groom a cat, you this is like the beginning of YouTube. You can go own Odyssey if you want to. Maybe it'll never get huge, but it, it might, it might, it
0: reasonably could. It's got all the features it needs and it's decentralized. Yes. (laughs) Who who could have thought, who could have thought what a time to be alive. I couldn't have planned that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, for those of you who've been listening on the live show, I appreciate you so much for being here. I'm sorry that I couldn't get to your comments very much as we were enthralled in conversation but it seemed like you guys were just enjoying along with us for the most part of it if you guys like the show make sure you check out our social medias i'd prefer it if you reached out on float but i know none of you guys use that for some reason so you can go to the other zuck books and all those other things but i don't check those as often so that's on you guys um we have youtube obviously don't use that podcasts are fine they seem to be pretty chill so you can go look at any of the podcast distributors and we also have an odyssey as well so that's all I have. Thanks again for everybody coming out. Shepard, it was an amazing conversation. We will have to do this again at some point, maybe with a different set of topics.
1: Um, Sounds great. Let's do yeah. it. Thank Sounds you.
0: Good. All right. That's it, everybody. Take it easy.